0: Revelation 7, 9 and 10. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Philippians 1, 3 to 7. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, A true confession, a pretty common occurrence is for a boxy brown truck to pull right in front of my driveway on a pretty pretty regular basis. so a person steps out of that truck to deliver a package. that package generally has books. those books generally are for me so This is ongoing, so much so when my kids were little, they just thought this was the book truck as if that's all it delivered. (laughs) Pray for me and my book habit. Yet, I was thinking this week how easy it is to take for granted that person delivers the book, and so the UPS person comes, and it's it's such a simple thing as far as what, what I see of that, getting it to my front door. Sometimes we miss all that it must take, everything that stands behind that simple delivery. I don't pretend to know UPS. I don't pretend to know that business and everything that would go into it. But even just thinking just for a moment, you realize... There are drivers, but there also have to be mechanics that keep the trucks on the road. And then there have to be accountants who are keeping track of all the money. And then there has to be, I, I can't imagine the logistics and the computer and the tech support needed to make sure these packages are delivered on some amount of consistency. That I think about the people that do literally the heavy lifting in the factories and get Uh, all, all this stuff ready to go. And then I think of even pilots that are flying packages across the country. And I'm thinking of all the employees and how much HR must go into like managing all the employees that work for UPS. And then I think about the marketing and I mean, it goes on and on and on. And you realize this person just delivers a package. But there are tons of things that stand behind that delivery. And I was thinking about that particularly in light of revelation seven and the picture that evan just read about where you have this like this crowd of people all praising god and it says they're from every every tribe every ethnicity every language every people group and it's a picture of what it looks like when the gospel has done its work what it looks like when the gospel has gone forward everybody's praising god in the lamb and I think, well, what would it take to make that picture happen? What does it take? What humanly do we, what role do we play as individuals? What do we role, play as a church in having that take shape? And I think for people to be around that throne singing and praising God, it certainly will take us hearing verses like Romans ten thirteen that says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but then ask the question, like, how are they going to call on him if they've never even heard of him? So that's why we send out people, messengers, that are going to tell others about the good news. We must go. That's been our series. Acts eight says we are to be witnesses. Jesus himself looked at his disciples, his first followers, and says, you're going to be witnesses for me. You're going to go all over the world, the, the furthest regions of the world. You're going to go, and you're going to be a witness of my death, my burial, my resurrection, even my ascension back to heaven. Jesus looked at his followers and says, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, you go into all the world and you make disciples. You baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You teach them to do everything I've commanded you. And I'm I'm with you in this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we must go, we must verbalize. And what happens when we verbalize is some will the response of many will be that of belief in Jesus Christ, turning from sin, trusting in Jesus Christ, following him. And they join that great scene in Revelation 7. But just like we can forget the, all that stands behind a UPS delivery, I believe it's very possible for us to forget everything else that makes that scene in Revelation 7 possible. We think of the, the missionary and we think of the evangelist we think about the person that 's bold with sharing their faith, and we, and we might forget everything else that goes into that. where have we been we 've been noticing we 've been noticing a lot more goes into someone professing their trust in Jesus Christ than the individual messenger at one point in time that 's sharing that message. A lot more stands behind that and we 've talked over uh, about this last couple of weeks. We realized that yes, we must go, but part of going Jesus said, even before we go, he looks at. A crowd of people that are harassed and helpless in Matthew helpless in Matthew 9 And he is feeling compassion for them and he looks at his disciples and instead of immediately telling them to go What he says is we need to pray We need to pray that god would send laborers, because there are There are hundreds of thousands of people that are harassed and helpless There are millions there are billions of people that That need the message of jesus christ. So, you know what we first must do we must pray so we play a role. Yes, we must go, but even as we're going, we're praying. And last week we looked at what it means to go, yes, but as we go, we're also living lives that actually kind of frame out the gospel. So we talked about the gospel. The good news is the picture. It's the portrait. It's the, it's the thing that everybody is, is meant to look to, but our lives frame out the gospel. The way Titus says it is we can adorn the gospel with our good works. With our good deeds, we can say this is, this is what the gospel is really like. This is what the good news of who Jesus is, is really like. And that's a vital part of our going. Praying, framing the gospel, these things really matter. And we're going to look at another aspect of what it means to go. But maybe one of those things that has been, I don't know, neglected or underestimated. So Evan read a minute ago from Philippians 1. It's a little bit of background on that. After Jesus ascends to heaven, after his ministry, a lot of the New Testament revolves around one particular individual. And that individual is Paul. Paul, if you'll remember, he has this radical conversion experience. And his life is never the same. And Paul sees it as his mission to take the gospel and to go wherever he can go. To, to take it all over the Mediterranean and, and announce that Jesus is alive and Jesus is Lord and Jesus is Savior of all who will believe. He was willing to go almost anywhere in the known world. And so one of the places he went was Philippi from where we get uh, the book of Philippians. And you can read about his going into the city of Philippi, in Acts chapter 16. And he he goes with a message saying, Jesus is Lord. And believe on him and you can be saved, you can be rescued. And people do. People believe on Jesus Christ. and, And a church is started there. And it seems like there are churches that Paul kept in contact with. This one seems very, very special to Paul. As a matter of fact, most scholars will say from the time Paul first went to Philippi to the time he's writing this book of Philippians, about 10 years elapses. And he still cares deeply for this church. In all of his travels, all around the, the known world, he, he is considering and praying for this particular church. He maintains contact. And so look at verse 3, at what, what he's what he says, he indicates what he feels about this church in verse 3. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all, I, I make my prayer with joy. Why are you so joyful about the church at Philippi? Why do you think of them and why do you thank God for them? Because, he says in verse 5, You're, because of your partnership in the, in the gospel from the first day until now, and I'm sure of this, that the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. The word partnership in the gospel, the word partnership, it really means a lot. There's a lot embedded in that word. It certainly means a a, a sense of friendship. I think it certainly could include being prayerful. It certainly means being interested. But make no mistake, when you see the word partnership there, it primarily is talking about the financial support that the church of Philippi gave to Paul. He says, I can pray with joy because of you because of our partnership, because you've been along this trip with me. You have an interest in the gospel being advanced. I want us to think about how we, how we go, yes, but how we go also in our giving, in our financial giving. The, the topic, the subject of giving, is not always an easy one at church. It's not always easy because somewhere along the lines, some, maybe many of you ha- have been in situations in which money wasn't handled well. And you may, have, you may have this narrative that all churches ever are out for, all pastors are ever out for. is just money. That's all they care about. And I'll tell you, frankly, I'm willing, I'm willing to risk being misunderstood so that you get a clear grasp of one way that God may call on you to see the gospel advance. I want to connect dots between what happens when we give and what happens as the gospel advances. I think it's so important because I think often we hear of like, well, we need to share the gospel. We need to tell the gospel. We need to be bold in our faith and sharing our faith. And I, and I, I think too many people in church hear that and they, they think, well, you know, I'm not sure I have the skill set or the personality to do that really well. I know others are like, they're highly extroverted, and I'm not. And other people, like, they're good at selling everything. And I'm, I, I don't know that I could really sell the gospel. I know that's not the right word, but I don't know that I could do that. I don't know that I could sell Jesus. I'm, I can't persuade people that easily. I don't really know that much about the Bible. And so I hear, like, all the time we ought to be sharing our faith, but I feel like I, if that's the assignment, I'm not sure I can do it. I don't even like confrontation. I think... What I'm convinced of is that God, God might surprise you. That you might play a bigger role in the gospel advancing than you ever thought you could. For all the reasons why you think you may not be able to really be invested in this cause of spreading the gospel. I think God might surprise you. There's different kinds of giving that it's talked about in the New Testament. So there is giving done to support the needs of the church. Many of you do that, and you do it really, really well. The the staff that we have, the property, the the facilities, the administrative costs, all that happens because there are people that give to our church. So that's one kind of giving, and, and the Bible talks about that kind of giving. But the Bible also talks about another kind of giving, and that is to relieve the suffering of the poor. And we're called on as Christians to do that kind of giving as well. So there's giving to the church that we call home and there's, there's giving to the needs to relieve some suffering and we ought to do that wisely. I'm, I'm encouraged by so many that have that on their heart at Ogletown. But there is something different in Philippians 1. There's a different kind of giving that's talked about there. It's the kind of giving that fuels that fuels the gospel advance. This is the kind of giving that funds like evangelists and missionaries and gospel workers. And you go back to Philippians 1 and Paul is able to say, I am so grateful for you. I have such affection for you. It is right for me to feel this way because I'm holding you in my heart. Because we have a partnership that is based not just just on my sales pitch, but you believe in this because you believe the good news of Jesus Christ because you've been changed by it. He's able to say in verse 6, "I, I see God has begun a good work in you. Paul says, I, I'm confident that he's going to complete it. He says in verse seven, you are, when you give, you are partakers with me of God's grace. This is hot. These are high compliments. This is strong words. And it shows the the value that Paul had for the people who were givers in Philippi. It showed just how he saw their giving. So not everybody was called to do what Paul was doing. Not everybody was called to, to leave and go all over and, and try to initiate gospel work. Not everybody was called to do that, but Paul was, and they were behind him. He closes Philippians with similar words. I, w- I want to read Philippians 4. If you, you can turn over there. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 10, because it's, it's like the same, the same heartbeat of Paul. He says, I am rejoicing in the Lord greatly. So again, he's got great joy in Philippians. is the book of joy. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Well, what is that concern? He says, yeah, you were indeed concerned for me. You always were, but, but you didn't have an opportunity. I think this concern is directly connected to them investing again in Paul financially. And I think Paul felt some of the unease that sometimes people just assume wrong motives when When you're asking for money or telling them thank you, in verse 11 he says, now listen, I'm not speaking of being in need. This isn't some manipulative ploy to try to haggle money out of you. No, no, I'm not in need. I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then a verse that often is pulled out, but it, it even makes more sense when it's left in its context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'll say, yeah, the issue isn't like whether I'm sweating out my support. God's going to take care of me. I'm able to be content. But verse 14, he says, but it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians, you know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonian, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, but you, you were the only ones. And even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. And again, I don't seek the gift, Paul says. I'm not seeking the gift. What I'm looking for is the fruit that increases your credit. I want you to have a higher balance in your spiritual fruit account. That's what I'm looking for. I'm well supplied. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. I'm taken care of, Paul's saying. But the gifts you sent, they were a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And listen, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then he ends with praising God. I mean, this now kind of he just erupts into praise. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. What Paul is saying, and I hope you don't miss this, is when you're giving money to God's work advancing, it's far more than just dollars and cents something happens when we give and what paul said is financially when they gave it was a it was a revival of their concern for him it was a way that they said paul we're with you we know you have trouble but we want to share the load of that trouble he says no one else did this and you did it again and again in verse 16 it was a gift it's credit to your spiritual account and even in verse 18 he uses language of exodus and leviticus and numbers which would be a pretty strong language for people with a jewish background He says, you know how those sacrifices were just such a pleasing aroma to God? Yeah, your giving was like that. It was so pleasing. So many good things came out of it. God be glorified. You see, I read the book of Acts, and it's easy to read of the conversions and read of regions that hear the gospel for the first time and to read of deliberate conversations that evangelists have and powerful encounters of people with God. We read of churches getting started. But what Paul makes sure we don't forget is those things happen and the means by which they happen were people gave. People gave so the gospel could advance. Paul could look back to Philippi and he made sure that they understood financial partnership made a difference. But he also looks toward the future. He doesn't just talk about this with one church. He also tells the church in Rome. So in Romans 15, he says very, very similar things. Romans 15 and verse 20, he says, I make it my ambition. This is what Paul's all about, to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. I'm I'm not trying to build on someone else's foundation. But I want those who have never been told of him I want them to see. And I want those who have never heard. I want them to understand. This is the reason I've so often been hindered from coming to Rome, Paul would say. But now, like I've accomplished work. There's, there's gospel presence in all these different provinces, all these different territories. And so now I can go to Rome. And, and then he says in verse 24, just interesting, look at it. He says, I hope to see you in passing as I go on to Spain. He has a greater ambition. But how is he going to get to Spain? How is Paul going to take the gospel and to to take it where Christ has not already been named? How is he going to do that? Well, this is what he says in Romans 15 I want to be helped on my journey. I want to be helped on my journey there by you. I want you to financially invest in this. And I want to enjoy your company for a while. Financial partnership is fueling gospel advance. People at the church of Philippi provided for the advance of the gospel. People at the Church of Rome would have the opportunity to provide for the advance of the gospel. And I think it would be so, so helpful for Ogletown, for us as a church family, maybe to kind of recalibrate how we see our giving and how we see financial partnerships. Because if all you hear or all you think about when when it comes time to give, if all you think about is like, well, I guess I'll pay my dues. As I guess, you know, I guess that's just kind of what we do. And Maybe you grew up in an environment where that was kind of the heavy-handed pressure put on you. Like once you're paid up, then you can enjoy the goods and services. But, and then we got another special offering, and then another one, and another one, and another one. I could understand why there may be kind of a, a, a misunderstanding. But what if, when we give, what if we could see ourselves... Not just as paying dues, but as being a partner. Being a partner in what God's doing. You know, the, it's like an honor in a lot of companies or a lot of firms to become a partner. It means you actually share in responsibility, but you also share in the results and in the rewards. Partners feel a burden. So I know at times there have been different organizations that I've been a part of where you're, you have to do X amount of like volunteer hours. But if you give some money, you don't have to do the volunteer hours. Giving gets you out of the volunteer hours. That's not what's going on when we give. It's not as if somehow, well, I'll give so I don't have to do the, the hard stuff. I don't, I don't really want to do any of the the, kind of the tough church where I'll just give and let others. That's not what's going on. It's a partnership people come together. One part of the partnership is a person willing to go, willing to be trained, willing to sacrifice, willing to use their time in this way. Another part of the partnership is someone saying, you know what? Money is not going to have a hold on my life. I'm going to, I'm going to give so that I'm not ruled by money and I will love and I will support and I will pray. When we give, we could see ourselves as partners, but we could also see ourselves as investors and these aren't just mind games we're playing. This is what scripture teaches. We are to lay up treasures in heaven. We're looking for a return. We're investing, looking for that investment to yield fruit. I've I've seen a few episodes of Shark Tank and the sharks several of you have seen this, but sharks are multimillionaires that are looking at and hearing different entrepreneurs come in and pitch their idea, this company or this product and and those sharks are listening and they're trying to determine, should I, if I put some money in this, will it blow up and I can get more money and get it quickly and, and, and invest it in other things? And We have a mindset of an investor. It's just we have very, very different metrics. We have a different timeline. We, we actually factor in eternity, not just the next two years. We have the whole, the whole world hearing of who Jesus is. We're not looking for just these immediate demonstrable results. We know God's in charge. But we are looking, as a church, we are looking to invest in people who are bold and humble and faithful and thoughtful and adapt to other cultures and learn languages and are diligent to see the gospel go forward. We want to see a Revelation 7 return on our investment. That's what we want. We want to see people from every tribe and every tongue. We want to see a crowd of people that are there because we gave and someone shared. That's the desire we have. When we give, we're partners. When we give, we're investors. When we give, we're also helpers. It's interesting in the Bible. It's not like one person is a solo hero. No, it's worthwhile to help because sometimes needs are are there, needs are present. And when we provide food and travel expenses and necessities and supplies and resources, when we provide encouragement, when someone is in the work of ministry and it's hard and they're getting a lot of pushback and it's it's hard to know exactly how to build the name of jesus christ and his fame and his glory in a certain place and then they know well there are people in Delaware, there are people in pennsylvania new jersey and maryland that are standing behind me they care about me i'm on i'm on a, in another part of the world i'm in a hard place but but they care about me in the way i know they care is they give We are partners, we're investors, we're helpers. That's why when we find ourselves, so our church has started in an area where there are a lot of university students, thousands of students around us, it makes sense for us to financially partner, to help pay the expenses of people that are, are willing to work at this campus, work in this area to see college students hear about Jesus Christ. We're investing in something. We're investing. We play a role, even if it's financially not, not a huge role. We, we play a role in taking money and investing it and partnering and helping with people that are, are looking to get the gospel into middle schools and high schools like, like Young Life does. We see that as like not, not just a charity, but a partner. They're doing good work in ministry. We see a role in helping serve young students in Wilmington through Urban Promise. We believe in investing in people that are going to start churches that are going to preach the gospel. We believe, we, we did it this summer, we believe in investing in people that are going to take the gospel and take a two-month trip to share the good news of Christ. We want to be financially partners in that. We invest in people who say, I'll go for a couple years on an assignment that God's called me to go. We're not all going for two years. We're not all going for two months. But we're invested in these kinds of things. We invest in people that say, I'll give my career, I'll give my life for this. We invest in organizations and and agencies that are taking the gospel around the world. I was talking with a friend of mine a few weeks ago here at, at Ogletown, and he said that a burden of his heart is that he said he had just these numbers in mind that by 2030, it'd be an awesome thing if Ogletown sent 30 full-time workers into the field. And he said, I, I'm praying that God would let us see, see that happen. Well, that's an awesome prayer. And then I also, thinking about this, it would take money, it would take a financial commitment of our church to, to see that happen. But what an investment to make. What an awesome thing that would be. As a church, we can think like partners and investors and helpers. And, and then there's one other thing that I'd like you to notice because Paul doesn't just talk about investors like a, as a whole church. There are times where he even singles out individuals. I was reading Romans 16. Romans 16 in verse 1, he says this, writing, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, he names... This lady, our sister in Christ named Phoebe, who's a servant of the church at Century, says, welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. Help her in whatever she may need from you. And notice what he says about her. She's been a patron of many. She's been a patron of myself as well. She's financially invested. She has a financial stake in the spread of the gospel. At that point, it's really not a matter of how much anybody gives. Although those things certainly matter. Like, who has that sort of stake? So, all of what we have heard today makes us think. I, I want us to hear from the Lord today. I want us to see opportunities we have to partner, to invest, to, to help others in need. The last, the last thing I want... The, the, the ditch i want to stay out of is legalism that says shame on you for not giving or the other side of legalism that says you you can feel pretty good about your relationship with god because you give a lot either one of those things is not actually the grace giving that god has modeled for us in giving jesus christ but we have been loved by receiving good news and when we've received that good news it just motivates us like i I want others to hear about it. I want others to know this good news. And so the question I want us to all think about today is where in our life can we point to and go, the spread of the good news of Jesus really matters to me, and you can tell it by this. What would you point to? Where would you go and say, you can tell how much this matters to me by this, by this piece of Information and this piece of information. I mean, that that presses in on the heart. I mean, some may be very wealthy, some may be, I don't know, some may be on the verge of homelessness. Some are very near retirement, others have never had a full time job. Uh, Everybody's welcome here at Ogletown. But I think I'd do a disservice if I didn't challenge you to think about if the progress and the advance of the gospel means so much to me, how would that show up in my life in real terms? I can't speak obviously for the way you answer that question. But but let me let me just share how I answer that question, how Sean and I answer that question. And again, this is only only here this is follow me as much as I'm following Christ. If I am follow me there. What we've decided is to make a priority commitment most of our giving to God's work goes to our church family here. We made it a priority commitment. We don't like debate each month are we going to do it? It happens. We do it through a percentage of what what we take in. We contribute to our church's mission. We give online through our app. We give twice a month. What we try to do is make progress. So in 2018, Lord willing, we're going to be giving more than we gave in 2017. We try to make progress. And occasionally, this doesn't happen all the time, and life is is crazy. There's always room for second guessing, but I think at times we have to, like, kind of shake out our priorities and go, are there luxury items that, like, are meaning a little bit too much to us right now? Are there things that seem like they're hobbies that have gotten out of whack? And if I were to compare, like, what I spent on my eating out or this luxury item or this hobby or my vacation, if I were to look at that and compare it to what I gave to God's work, it'd say a lot about my priorities and wouldn't say much good. So there's times where you have to do that sort of inventory. And so we have to evaluate that at times. And then we believe in giving to our church, but we also have a friend that is working with refugees in Europe, streaming out of Syria. I feel like God has put on our heart to give. And there's an orphanage, and a boarding school in Africa that has come to mean a lot to my wife and I. And so so we give there. In the past, there was a church plant, of a friend I went to college with, and we invested in that for several years to try to help that get started. And then there are other times where there's a need that arises and like there's a one-time gift or a missionary organization. I don't don't say any of that, any of that. to say, look at all what we do and we feel pretty good about everything we're doing. But I put that before you to say, if the gospel means something to me, it should show up in those kinds of things. If the advance of the gospel means something to me as a pastor, then it should show up. I was thinking when we were singing Chris Lettuce a few moments ago, and that picture of like voices around the throne singing, Worthy is the Lamb. And I, I get a picture there of a huge crowd of people, and I've got relatives that it would be part of that. And I think I. One day, I'll be a part of that. And everyone that day will have some story. And part of that story probably is going to be some friend or parent or family member or pastor or co worker that led them to Christ. But I think what's going to stand behind a lot of those stories as well are hours of prayer and hundreds of good works. And all sorts of financial support that made it possible for us to hear. Church, I want to call us to that. I want to call us to give, and to give with new motivations and new eyes because we are partners in promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can we pray? Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added. Father, we must go. And as we're going, we are seeking your kingdom and your righteousness. And part of our going is partnering with others who are going as well. So, Lord, let us do heart inventory. I pray for the person that it would be almost inconceivable of them right now to to be able to give. And I pray that you would work in their heart, show them how you may rearrange their life circumstances so they can be deeply invested in your work. Help those that may have just gotten, maybe just gone through the motions of giving and it's been a while since they thought, actually, when they write checks, when they give online, they give cash, they're, they're supporting your work. Give us eyes to see that, Lord. Help us and help all of our giving to be expressions of our love for you. And we ask this in Christ's name, amen.